Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I direct your attention this morning to the book of Genesis chapter 22. The book of Genesis chapter 22. Praise be to God. I don't know if you noticed or not. It's one of my favorite passages. I preached from it, as they say down south, a buku amount. That's a lot. Genesis 22 and verse number one. Praise God. The Bible said, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test, test Abraham. I mean, oh, God, test us. I mean, oh, God, test us. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham arose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and clave the wood and the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took, of, took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Hear him. Son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, and laid him upon the altar, upon the wood. I want to just simply talk to you this morning about the call to sacrifice. Everybody say the call to sacrifice. Great God of heaven, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, let us not make God what you call sacred secular. 
Lord Jesus, let us remember the specialty of this moment, the special things, O oh God, the holy things that this church service is. We are in your presence. God, let us act accordingly. Let us be aware. Lord, and I ask today that you would speak to us and through us, that your name forever be exalted. And we worship you, King of Universe, as the only wise God, the one and only. And we give you praise today in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. The call to sacrifice is where we're going today. Few scenes in all of Scripture are as familiar and yet as monumental as that on Mount Moriah with Abraham offering Isaac. Abraham said, I and the lad will go yonder. We're going to go to Moriah, a place of destiny, a place of testing, a place of teaching, a place of wonder and spiritual significance. Jerusalem sits strategically in the middle of a range of low, uh, range of low, rising peaks and mountains. Matter of fact, Jerusalem is surrounded by seven different mountain peaks. The psalmist declared, "As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about His people." It was a strategic position to build a city around these seven mountains. The entire area around Jerusalem with these seven mountains was known as the land of Moriah. Solomon's temple was built on one of these mountains. The site of David purchasing the threshing floor from Ornan the Jebusite is here. Mount Zion is a part of the land of Moriah. Now the meaning of the word Moriah is exactly unknown it is it is uncertain but the hebrew language it, it renders it a compound word that means the lord is my teacher the lord is my teacher the word is also connected to the act of seeing for the samaritan torah renders the word to mean the place made visible the latin vulgate translated as moriah as the land of vision the septuagint renders it the high land. Stands to reason then that Moriah would be a place for Abraham where the Lord would teach him and give him a fresh vision. How many know that God is ever teaching us in our life? He's ever directing us. Events come and go. Situations come and go. Some more mon monumental than others. Big things, little things. But God tests his people. God tests you. He tests me. Not testing us with salvation, for he has already saved us. He has already saved us. If you've been born again of water and of spirit, he's already saved us. Right By the way, we will baptize you in Jesus' name today if you need to be baptized in the lovely name of the Lord. When you look at the wonder of Mount Moriah and the beauty of this, this, this picture and and, and, and those 20-some those of us that are going with Sister Judy to the uh, painting class, amen, ought to be excited. Maybe we need to paint Mount Moriah and all the mountains around Jerusalem. Maybe just an idea. But it is a beautiful 
story that is multifaceted in its emotion. It is both celebratory and gut-wrenching at the same time. Look at one side of Mount Moriah and you will see a test. And on the other side, you will see a triumph. I want to tell you today, on every test that God gives you, there is triumph around there somewhere. He will not put you on a test, amen, that you cannot have victory and overcome at the same time. The deep drama before us on this hill displays the generational connection Generation connection between worship, between submission and obedience. Abraham, this was not his first test. Abraham had sacrificed before. Abraham had been obedient before. The day of sacrifice, this day of sacrifice, would transcend them all. When you go back and you look at Abraham's sacrificial giving and his giving up and his giving over and his test, you will find that Abraham, the father of the faithful, knew what it was to leave things that were precious to him. Amen. Knew what it was to sacrifice things that he loved. In Genesis 12 and verse number 1, it says, The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country. And from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Look at this. Get you out. Leave your country. Leave your kindred. Leave your father's house. I'm sending you to another place. He said, I will make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee, and I'll make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What God is saying is that there is a promise ready for you. There is a blessing ready for you, but if you're going to get that, you're going to have to be willing to leave something else. You see, there's a lot of people that want the promises of God and the blessings of God, but hold on to their old ways at the same time. It doesn't work that way. You can't stay in Ur of the Chaldees and claim the promised land. You have to go to it. You have to be willing to leave something to go get something. you got to be willing to lay something down, amen, to get the better, to gain the more. At this time, Ur of the Chaldees was at the height of prosperity. It was both a cultural and commercial center of its world. It was known at that time as the city of idolatry. It would be where people would pilgrim uh, to to worship their, their idol gods. Abraham left everything. It was familiar to him. It was his past. It was his history. It was his home. It was his identity. And he left that so that he could give up everything and follow God and go to a place he'd never been before, to go to a city that he would seek and not find. Amen. To go and follow after God. We, see, we are living in a day, dear, dear brothers and sisters, we are living in a day where people are called to do things from God, called to obey, amen, but they want to know the end game first. They want to know how it's going to turn out. They want all the answers. All that God said is leave this and go where I tell you. Leave this and go where I tell you. 
His relationship was with God, not Ur of the Chaldees. His relationship was with God, not cousin uh, Billy Bob. His relationship was with God. Amen. He waved goodbye to his family. He kissed them goodbye. He kissed familiar goodbye. And as it faded over the last sand dune, he was walking into a direction he never been before. Amen. I want to tell you, families are precious. Families should be a priority in our life. But God wants you to know today is that if your family is holding you from going to your promise, sometimes you got to wave goodbye. Not wave goodbye to love, but wave do goodbye to influence. Wave goodbye to what holds you back. Wave goodbye to I can't because of this and that. Amen. If you want to follow God, here in this hour, you're going to hear a call to sacrifice. You're going to hear a call that says, give up this. Lay down that. Well, nephew Lot went with him. Evidently, he loved him so much, he said, I'm going with you, Unc. We're going to follow our, I'm going to follow you. But then look what happened in Genesis 13 and 8. And Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. And, and, and we be brothers. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And if you will take the left hand, I will go to the right. If you depart to the right, then I will go to the left. Abraham, one more time, demonstrated a spirit of submission and unselfishness. He turned around and said, I'll take the high ground. Lot, goodbye. Goodbye, Lot. One more time to say goodbye because of a need to separate, for a need to have a greater devotion. He couldn't stay with Lot because Lot had the wrong kind of approach to life. To life. Amen. We find that Abraham said goodbye to Lot. Abraham said goodbye to Ur the Chaldees. He is a man marked by altars and sacrifice. Everywhere you see him, he's offered up sacrifice. Amen. What was it about Abraham that captured God's attention? Amen. Why would God speak to him when he would not speak to others? Perhaps it was in the obedience. Perhaps Perhaps it was in his faith. Perhaps it was in his willingness to leave and sacrifice that captured God's attention. But another thing that it was, and we've preached from this before, but look at Genesis 18 and verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abram the thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become great, and mighty nation. Abraham shall surely, somebody say surely, become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know, for I know that he will command his children and his household after him. That they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Amen. God picks Abraham because of his character. Because he was willing to leave. But also because he was willing to impart. He was willing to leave something for his children. Something that I've observed over the years that has become all too common is I've, I've observed when mom and dad gets to a certain place that they allow their children to partake of things that they did not get to partake of. I'm not talking about a heaven or hell issue. It's just simply, my. let's just give this example. 
My kid didn't have a foosball table. We weren't allowed to have a foosball table. So bless God, we're going to have a foosball table. We're not going to only have a foosball table. We're going to have a tournament quality foosball table. And we're going to make sure that all our kids get foosball lessons. Praise God. Praise the Lord. If you don't know what foosball is, it's one of those little things where you got all the men, you turn in these things, and they're playing soccer on the field. Uh, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> or when I've watched as preachers, when they get to the place where their grandkids come along, that all of a sudden, a line that they held so hard, so harsh, so you're going, bless God, you're going to split hell wide open. Amen. If you do this thing, if you play, play foosball, you're going to split hell wide open. But they're playing foosball now with the grandkids because it's the grandkids coming along. Amen. It's not a matter over something being a heaven or hell issue. It's a matter if you've got a conviction in your heart, if you've got a conviction in your life, if you have a conviction that's related, amen, to where God has brought you out of. Because in Ur, the Chaldees, they gambled on foosball. Because in Ur, the Chaldees, they worshiped gods on their foosball table. Why? Because Abraham learned, I come I'm out of that for a reason. Hallelujah. Amen. At first, I didn't understand why my dad didn't have dominoes in the house. At first, I didn't understand why my dad wouldn't allow playing cards in the house. I thought my dad was just crazy. What's wrong with playing cards? What's wrong with dominoes? Until I realized that we grew up, he put his head up on a table as his family gambled with cards and gambled with dominoes. And he saw the devastation and he said, I'm coming out of that. It's not about the gambling. It's not, or it's not about the, the cards and the dominoes. It's about I refuse to allow my soul to be overtaken with something. Don't make it just about the foosball table. Make it about the concept. Amen. If mom and dad came out of it then I need to know why they came out of it Abraham if you come out of it I need to know why you come out of it don't be afraid to ask your parents your preacher don't be afraid to ask your grandparents why did y'all do that what was the reason amen I guarantee you that you may find that there'll some that say I don't know Amen. But there'll be others that will say, I can tell you, because the Lord brought me out of this, and this was connected to that. And for me to get rid of this, I had to get rid of that. The Lord said, I'll tell you, Abraham, some stuff, because he's going to command his children after him in the way of the Lord. I'll tell you an illustration. I've used it repeatedly, but it sure does help. There was a grandmother, good old grandmother, loved the Lord, and she prayed every day. And she had a mean old cat. And that cat liked to crawl all over her while she's trying to pray. So what she do? Every morning when she got up at 8 o'clock to pray, she took the cat and put it in the cage. Get rid of that cat while I'm praying. I want that cat distracted me. The son watched this every, every morning as his mom got up and did it. He watched her, and so he followed suit at 8 o'clock every morning. He got him a cat, and every, clock, every morning at 8 o'clock, from a kitten all the way on, he put that cat in the cage. 
So he prayed, put the kitten in the cage. The girl watches as dad did that every day at 8 o'clock. Gets up every morning, and at 8 o'clock, he puts the cat in the cage. And so her uh, understanding was that every morning when she got an adult, she got up, and she just put the cat in the cage. She kept the tradition of the cat in the cage without understanding the real purpose that the cat was put in the cage to begin with. And that was it was a distraction to grandma's prayer. And then made an, then all of a sudden we make a glorification about the cat in the cage when it was never about the cat in the cage. It was about a distraction to purpose. It was about a distraction to purpose. It was about keeping them from prayer. And there are things in your life that all of us meet, some different, some unique that we will all meet, but we're going to have to put some things in a cage. We're going to have to walk away from some things that we may walk with God. Walk away from this that we may walk for. Just recently had a conversation with a younger generation, generational preacher, and he's talking about, you know, if we, the, the hypocrisy of some people's holding the standards and hypocrisy of this and, and all that kind of stuff and said, we should be able to do this. We should be able, let's answer the question. And I looked at him and I said, if there ever was a generation that needed to get their own convictions, it's today. If there ever was a time, amen, I'm not just going to hang on dads, but I want to hang on his commitment. I don't want to just hang on playing no, not dominoes. It's not going to hurt me one bit to play dominoes, but what will hurt me is if my heart gets into the place of greed that I want to go gamble I want to go do things that separate me from God if there ever was a day there needs to be a generation that says I'm setting boundaries on what I watch I'm setting boundaries on where I go I'm setting boundaries on what I say I'm setting boundaries on who I am I set boundaries on my identity I set boundaries on what I allow in my mind amen this should not be a generation that's running from conviction but it should be a generation that's running to conviction Lord we thank you God had promised Abraham and Sarah they would have a son Abraham and Sarah to have a son Abraham was a man of amazing faith and a great promise he raises Isaac to know God. But there was a part of Abraham, I believe, as a good parent, to shield his son from the sacrifices that Abraham had to face. Abraham had the opportunity to provide abundantly for Isaac. He was a wealthy man. He was a successful man. Isaac was born in Abraham's hour of blessing. And prosperity, not in his hour of test and trial. Isaac doesn't want for anything. Isaac is taken care of, so he's grown up in a very nice surrounding of prosperity. He has the best of the best. He has the best clothes. He's living in the best tent. He's eating the best food. All that Isaac needs, Daddy provides. Isaac is given the best education. He receives the best instruction about Jehovah God. Isaac knows how to meticulously build an altar. 
He's been trained on how to lay the stones properly. He knows how to organize the wood so it looks good in reverence to God. He knows the need of the fire. Isaac knows how to worship because daddy had taught him. I said Isaac knew how to worship because daddy had taught him. Isaac knew how to pray because daddy had taught him. Isaac knew about faith and promise because daddy had taught him. In verse 2 of 22 it says, The Lord said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah and offer him there. Offer him there. Take the son the son that you love. The very first time that love is found in Scripture is at this moment. Amen. Take your son that you love and offer him there. Hallelujah. What a feeling must have rushed over Abraham when he thought, number one, we don't do that. Number two, that is too hard for me to bear. I don't know. Did he tell Sarah or did he not tell Sarah? I don't know what was going on through his mind. But one day he said to Isaac, Isaac, we're going to go sacrifice. We're going to go build an altar unto God. And you know what Isaac did? He understood. We've done that before. That's exactly how it's going to be. So they took a, a, a couple servants with him and they headed out. They're going to go to a place. He said, I and the lad. Eventually he said to the servants, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and look at the statement of faith. I will come again unto you. We will come again. God said go sacrifice. But it was daddy's faith. After all he'd been through after every test after every trial after every heartache it was daddy that understood we've been through it and I don't know how God will do it but God's going to make a way God's going to make a way hallelujah you young folks you listen to me when you hear your mom and dad and your grandparents say God will make a way it's because they know it they've been through it they've experienced it they've sacrificed here and there for you Somebody say amen. amen. Abraham took with him Isaac. Now Isaac at this time is somewhere around 25 years old. The Bible talks about a lad, but he was somewhere around 25 years old. He's carrying the wood. He's carrying the fire. I love this line where he says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Your sacrifice is your worship. Your sacrifice is your worship. What you bring to God costs you something. What you bring to God costs you something. So when he said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship, he was making a statement of faith, but also of action. Is that daddy worships, junior's worshiping. Daddy worships, the son's going to worship. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. What does the scripture say? One generation shall praise thy works to another generation. One generation, amen, don't you ever discount grandma telling that story over and over again, how God healed, how God 
did this and God I wish I had just one more day to sit down with my dad and say tell me the stories again tell me how you prayed and cancer fell off somebody's neck tell me how you prayed and one leg grew to meet the length of another leg I saw it with my eyes but I want to hear it one more time tell me how you prayed and God raised my brother from the dead he meant there ought to be something inside of you younger folks to say tell me mama tell me daddy tell me grandpa tell me grandpa tell me about it I want to hear it because I'll take that till my experience happens Where do we're in a church that has six generations, six generations of apostolic Pentecostals? Not many churches have that. We're blessed to having continuing generations of people that are seeking God in the apostles' doctrine and in the way of Acts. But where does that second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth generation learn to worship we can complain about generations five and how they're not worshiping but where did they learn to worship where did they learn how to how to take the wood and the fire where did they learn to do that they learned from generation four and generation three amen mama when you raise your hands and praise god you're doing more than raising your hand and praising god you're teaching your daughter how to raise her hand and praise god daddy when you sing with all of your heart amen you are teaching your children how to sing when pastor dylan takes his son down here and begins to shout with him what is he doing he's saying this is how we do it boy this is what we do this is the way we do it hallelujah you're teaching your kids right now either how to or how not to amen i challenge you today take the heart of abraham and say i will preach it i will live it if for nobody else but for my kids to have a heritage that there is a god There is a God that answers by fire. There is a God that still heals cancer. There is a God that can save to the uttermost. There is a God. Hallelujah. 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 Isaac and Abraham both went together. Somebody say together. Isaac had been enough and watched this event enough to realize something's missing. Dad, we have the wood. Dad, we have the fire. I see you've got the knife. But I don't hear none of Where's the lamb? For the sacrifice. Hmm. Where is the sacrifice? You see, an altar is nothing but stone and wood and fire if there's nothing laying on that altar. It's nothing. We have the best. I don't know of another church our size that has the talent and the ability 
Thanks be to God that our church has. We are blessed. We're blessed in, in the apostolic Pentecostal ranks to have the best churches, to have some of the greatest talent, and the world pulls at them. Mind-blowing talent. Awesome ideas. We have the best conferences and camp meetings. We have ministries that are second to none. Preachers that are second to none. Amen. But do we have a generation that understands what is missing? Do we have a generation that will say, I see smoke and fire, but where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? I want to walk through this very carefully with you. Amen. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 9. And they came to the place where God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham is old. Real old. He's well up into his age, his years of, of 100 plus, 120 plus. Oh, come here, David. Praise God. Now, you need to get a load of this. This is partly personal, as Paul Harvey would say. You're looking at two guys that passed their hunter's exam class yesterday. 100% on his test. He got 100% of all his answers, man. I just want to rub shoulders with this kind of. That's your grandson. Yes, sir. Don't tell David this, but he could probably take me now. Except I get him in the first five minutes. After five minutes, I'm done. That's generous, he says. Watch your mouth. I'm preaching. Can you imagine Abraham, 120 plus, and his son Isaac, 20 plus? And Abraham said, we're going to start building this altar here. We're going to make it. Come on, boy. Get out there and help me make this altar. We're going to build this. We're going to put the stones in place. We're going to put the wood in place. And, oh, by the way, you crawl up on that. You crawl upon that. And just to help out, I'll bind you. I'm going to bind you. Now, it didn't say he had to wrestle with him. It didn't say he had to force him. He willingly laid his hands to his daddy because he trusted his daddy. But all that Abraham had... Every choice that he ever made was powerful. But it was Isaac that said, lay me on the altar. Daddy had to have the faith. Yes, we can celebrate it. But it come down to the point that when God said do this, the real, real test was not to Abraham as much as it was to Isaac. Are you willing to crawl on this altar, boy? Are you willing to take this sacrifice? Are you willing to trust God? I already told you God will provide himself a lamb. But are you willing to crawl upon this sacrifice and be the sacrifice itself? Thank you.
Sometimes there is a separation between generations. When kids grow up, my mom and dad didn't allow this, and so we're going to do it all. Open the barn door and let's let her go. Matter of fact, every generation is tested with that. Every generation is tested. Mom and dad's rules, mom and dad's hand on you is tested. They're tested. Amen. Well, they, they, put, they put way too many restrictions. They, they put too many standards on me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and do my own thing. I want to tell you, before you do, go visit Mount Moriah just for a little bit and sit down with Isaac and ask Isaac, why is it? He said, because there was something in my mom and dad. There was something in my dad that caused me to realize I can trust God. He trusted God. I can trust God. Amen. We have gone through generations that have given up things because they trusted God and they loved God. Amen. Sacrifice here is not about whether you're going to heaven or hell. Amen. But it's about how will you get to your promise? How will you get to your promise? How will you get to your blessing? Amen. It takes a determination. Enough of bubble wrap Christians that want their way to heaven being paved with easy. Jesus said narrow is the way. Straight is the gate. Amen. The other way is broad. Do your own thing. Live your own life. Or you could say I'm going to follow my dad and mom's example. I'm going to go get me some convictions and I'll lay myself on the altar. I'll lay everything I have on the altar. This is a call of sacrifice. Isaac had to be willing to die. Are you willing to die for Christ? Are you willing to die for Christ? Are you willing to die for Christ? Hallelujah. The reason that so many second, third, and fourth generations have turned from the convictions of their elders is because they've been pampered with the best. They've been given the best. They've been coddled. They've been saying, your feelings are most important. Amen. You getting what you want is most important. You want that toy? There you go. So you want to go and date so-and-so? There you go. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to get involved with them. I'm going to just let them find their way. they got to make their own way. I'm going to tell you the reason that God trusted so much to Abraham is that he was going to command his children. He was going to say to them, this is the way of the Lord. This is the way of promise. This is the way of blessing. My mom and dad was strict raising us five boys. Now they say I got off with a lot because I was the baby of the family. Not my problem. (laughs) But I never one time, Brother Mike, ever questioned about going to church. Not one time did I ever say, I am not going to church. Why? Brother Daniel, they put something inside of me as a little boy that made me love church. That made me love living for God. That made me love following God. That made me say yes to him. Be obedient to him. Hallelujah. And praise be to God by his help and grace. When I became of age, I followed the will of God. Not by just my sheer uh, uh, choice, but because I 
had an Abraham in my home that taught me how to fear the Lord, how to follow the Lord. Look around you, Grandpa. Look around you, Grandma. Look, look beside you, Mom and Dad. You're training that child right now that may be the next missionary. You're training a child right now that may be the next evangelist. You're training a new doctor. You're training a new lawyer. You're training somebody to live for God in a world of chaos that'll stand for truth. But it comes down to the next generation that has the decision to make. Will you crawl up on your own altar and get some convictions for yourself? My church says this, my church says that, and we can't do this. We can't. Will you crawl up on your own altar and say, I'll take this because I know God's going to has my back. He's got my back. When James Colvert went out to Cannibal Fiji to preach the gospel, the captain of the ship which he was traveling on sought to discourage him. The captain said, you will risk your life and those with you that are among you to these savages. Mr. Colvert responded was this. We died before we left. We died before we left. God gives us Holy Ghost boldness so we can, we can get through some stuff and we can give up some stuff and we can lay down some things. Brother and Sister Edmonds has a powerful testimony, but I want to tell you it didn't start in Taiwan. It started in California for three months as Brother Edmonds lived on one tomato and one potato a week. Cut it in seven slices. He had a slice of tomato and a slice of potato every day. But for, for three months, he lived on that. Why? Because God was preparing him for when he got to Taiwan. He was going to have to live one whole year without a single dollar from the states. He was going to have to walk all year by faith. Amen. And he said God provided the whole way without any offering, without any income. I want to tell you, the test you're going through now may make you rise up on another altar that's a little bit higher. But God wants to take you to a higher place. We ask for promise. God asks for sacrifice. We ask for blessing. God asks for sacrifice. We seek the easy way. God says, go my way. We want the quick success. God says, be sustained in your faithfulness. We want smooth paths. And God takes us up to our Mount Moriah. He takes us to our Mount Moriah. Paul put it like this in Romans 12 and 1. You know the verse. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, not just your 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 ideas, not just your concept, but your body. 
My body is a temple of God. I want to present it as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable of God, which is your reasonable service. Paul is saying, I appeal to you. I cry to you. I ask you. I urge you. I beg you. View the mercies of God and then go lay yourself on the altar. View the promises of God and then go lay yourself on the altar. Hallelujah. I would to God there was a young person here in your pastor today that would say, I'm going to not do what the crowd is doing. I'm going to sacrifice. Amen. While they go play, I'll go pray. While they're doing this, I'm going to go do something else. Why? Because there is something God has for me. There's something God has for me. And I don't want to miss it. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Place it at his disposal. Not your wishes. Some of you are contemplating college right now. Some of you are contemplating college in your future. I urge you in the Holy Ghost. Pray long and hard before you do. College is not a path. Quick path to success. They're lined up at McDonald's. Flipping burgers with degrees behind their names. I'm not telling you not to go. I'm not telling you the colleges are bad. But I want to tell you the vast majority of them are nothing more than a secular temple where they worship the pagan gods of flesh and humanity and hate God, hate Jesus, hate Christ. You're walking into a realm that is anti-everything that you've ever been taught. And some have become uh, uh, sucked in to the belief structure and sucked in. It would better that you would go and learn a trade. Amen. Learn something right. Amen. That you can do with your hands for right now. Right now, a good electrician can make 50 bucks an hour. I don't know, Bishop, why I got off on this. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. It's because you're valuable. And if you're going to go to college, stay close to home. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, and if you're going to go to college afar off, you better already pass the Navy SEAL Holy Ghost boot camp. You must already pass that. Go through the hardest of hard of trials. Amen. Come see me if you're going to go and spend just about three weeks with Pastor. And Sister Gill, if you're a girl, we're going to take you through some hard times. We'll take you down the, through some rough times because I want to make sure that you're ready for the fight. It's a call to sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable, rational, thought-provoking. Sacrifice begins in the mind before it ever gets on the altar. Sacrifice begins in the mind before it ever gets to the altar. Jesus said it like this. Luke 9. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall save it. Get some sacrifice and commitments that are your own. That you're willing to both live for and die for.
hear me. There are things that we talk about doing and things that we abstain from that I can't show you Bible. I can't. But what I can show you is an altar where you get your own convictions and you crawl upon your own altar. A pastor recently said to a bunch of new converts with ear piercings and nose rings and all this kind of stuff, and he says, I can't tell you in the Bible where that is at or not. All I know is if you're going to live for God, you've got to be willing to sacrifice something. You know what they did? The first chance they get, they went to the back and pulled them off. He didn't tell them to pull them off. He didn't tell them that's what you ought to do. He didn't tell them, I got your Bible for that. No, they said, that's an altar. I'm willing to just go crawl upon, and I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Stand with me, please. I'm talking about this church now. We're blessed to have generational leaders and elders, and we're blessed to have a lot of generations. You either will show them the way to sacrifice or show them the way to criticize and judge. Let me say it again because I don't think some of that was well received. In your generation, you will either encourage them to get their own convictions that may even be greater than yours, or you could criticize them because they're doing this or they're doing that. I want to tell you, they're going to have to face their, their altar. Better to face it with Daddy Abraham. Better to face it with Mama. Better to face it with Aunt so-and-so. Grandma and Grandpa standing beside them and say, I'm with you. I had to walk down this road. I had to get my own convictions. I'm with you. I'm with you. And you watch and let God do the work, and it'll be such a beautiful experience. When you follow the story of Isaac you follow the story from Isaac to Jacob you will see in scripture it often refers to the God of Abraham the God of and the God of Jacob the God of Bishop M.L. Walls the God of Pastor Gill the God of Brother David. Put it in your own family. Amen. That's what matters. Let me read you one scripture in closing here today. Genesis 31, 53. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor and the God of their father judged between us. And look at this line. And Jacob swear by the fear of of his father Isaac. What Grandpa Abraham had, imperfect as he was, Isaac got. Imperfect as he was. What Isaac 
God, Jacob God, imperfect people, flawed. Sacrifice doesn't mean that you're perfect except by the blood of Jesus. So today, so today, I make a public declaration in my own life. I swear and I declare by the fear of the Lord that Fred Gill had. I refuse to let it slip. I don't carry the exact same convictions, but let me carry the same kind of cross. God, get my own convictions. There are things that my mom and dad did do that I'm not doing because it's my altar. Come on, somebody. It's my altar. I got to crawl up on my own altar. I'm thankful for what my dad taught me about building an altar, what he taught me about living for, for, for God. I watched my dad build altars. He taught me to build them myself. I must be willing then to put myself on the altar. Am I willing to put myself on the altar? You will be misunderstood when you get convictions. You will be criticized when you get convictions. You will have family members make fun of you when you get convictions. Love them anyway. Pray for them anyway. But I want to tell you, when you get on the altar, as Isaac did, and Abraham is coming down with the knife, the angel of the Lord stopped him. And what did he say? Look behind you. And behind him was his promise caught by its horns in the thicket. Hallelujah. What was it? God provided a lamb. God provided a lamb. God provided a lamb. Hallelujah. And Abraham and Isaac could see across time as as the Lord said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. What was he seeing? He was seeing the lamb walking up Golgotha. He was seeing the lamb walking towards the cross. He was seeing the lamb walking towards that. Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.